It's Wednesday, October 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy 1st of October. Why, thank you. It, September just flew right by, didn't it? Uh, yeah. I think it, it feels that way for people like you and me because we have human children and they attend school. And the first month of school is just it's just always kind of a blur, at least for me anyway. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot, lot of activity, and, and um, I'm glad to be done with the, the beginning of the year. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the business of sports and entertainment today, but let's start by dipping into the full mailbag. I got an email from Eric Prisbelic, whose name I'm almost certainly mispronouncing. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, self-identified as listener number it's one. It's pronounced Eric. <laughs> Listener number 1,456 sent an email regarding our conversation the other day on DreamWorks Animation. He writes, The one reason I've stayed away from DreamWorks is their inability to monetize their movies in a way that Disney has to date. While maybe their merchandising has increased, I believe that their ceiling is limited because of the movies they are releasing. And and he went on to describe an article he had read uh, quoting an executive at Disney Animation who, who basically... Um, used uh, was talking about an approach that I think we've seen at movie studios writ large, which is uh, sometimes referred to as the tentpole approach, which is, look, we're going to have a couple big movies every year, usually like superheroes, that sort of thing, uh, or Transformers, whatever. That'll make a lot of money, and that will help fund the other movies that we're trying to make. Um, uh, Eric concludes his email by saying, "Until DreamWorks can figure out how to reliably monetize their movies, I will continue to be a bear on the stock, even after it is acquired." Uh, this is something you and I have talked about: the the way that Disney not just does well generally with the movies that it makes, but the pipeline of of the products and the merchandising, particularly on the animated front, the kids' movies they make. Um, it's really pretty impressive. Yeah, it is, and and to address the the DreamWorks point uh, specifically, they have not done a great job uh, at at merchandising, and I I don't know, you know, that they will be acquired is is a story that that lasted less than twenty four hours. Actually, uh, there's already you know talk that SoftBank may be back out, and yet the stock cooling down. But the stock is still up significantly from where it was a few days ago. So that I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 16-17% pop that it got on Monday. It's still hovering in that neighborhood. Yes, and it it uh, it is. uh, But if if the story doesn't pick up steam anywhere, then the kinds of things which make that particular stock pop, which is a movie opening, a good you know opening, something like that. Um, you know, it, it'll go back to trading around the, those kinds of events um, because the, the steady stream of income that uh, Disney generates from all kinds of uh, ways is is just not there for for DreamWorks. So it, it's a very lumpy uh, set of financials. It really hasn't. Um, Produced significant investor returns uh, since its IPO, so I, I think you know your 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 emailer has a good point. Is this a company that you would like to see remain a standalone public company? Because this is at at one time, DreamWorks Animation was a holding of at least one of the of the full funds. I don't know uh, of the latest filing date. Um, because yeah, it's you, in and it's it's included in the latest filings for a couple of the funds, and uh, so I can 
say that, uh, you know, as as holders, it depends on where you got it. You know, I mean, it, it had traded down so low. There's a price like anything. There's a price at which it's worth buying. Um, and it, it certainly visited very nice prices to buy at uh, about 12, uh, you know, 24 months ago. Um, and and since it moved up uh, from those lows, it, it's, it's now going to trade again based on, you know, what have you done lately? And what it's done lately is not terribly exciting. So it, it, the, the notion that it, it needs to have to be appreciated by the stock market, it has only currently and ever been appreciated by the stock market on the basis of its most recent results. And that's not really how you want to run a business. So as, as part of something which is larger and where the lumpiness of its, uh, of its actual cash flows could be incorporated into a bigger picture, that might be a, you know, a place where it, it makes more sense. We were talking earlier about the ways that Disney is able to monetize the movies that it makes, again, particularly the kids' movies. Um, I don't think Disney's seeing any revenue from this, but CNBC had a story on their website the other day uh, because Halloween just around the corner. Yes, the costume business. Now that we're in October, now that we're in October, daily discussions of Halloween. Um, and are there daily discussions of Halloween in your on house? your show? No, 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 not on this show. But I'm in sorry your, about your show. Oh no, 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 not here. In my house, in your house with the kids. Not daily. Okay, not daily. We, we haven't we haven't gotten to Halloween. All yet, right. CNBC had a story on their website about uh, the company Yandy.com, which is uh, a site, uh, a shopping website known for, among other things, um, sexed up costumes. I'm quoting directly from the CNBC story. Uh, The headline really says it all. Sexy Olaf sells out controversial Frozen costume a hit. Um, So, if you've seen the movie Frozen, with the delightful character Olaf the Snowman, and I hold up the photo for the tens of people watching this on YouTube. Um, yeah, Yandy took it upon yeah, there themselves. There'll be, be dozens now when they hear about this picture. <laughs> when they hear about sexy Olaf, um, boy, they'll just they'll just make a costume for anything, I guess, won't they? Uh, they they say they've sold out, and they're they're not sure if they're going to restock it. How many did they need to produce? I mean, this this is good publicity, right? <laughs> this is just good publicity for them. <laughs> Uh, no matter how many there were, uh, yeah, Olaf is is quite a stretch on on thinking like, well, let's sex that up. Um, yeah, that's that's like sexy wall costume, right? Or, you know, <laughs> who came up with that idea? But here we are talking about it. So, well, okay, uh, you know, it, to them, it raises a good point. Um, uh, I was talking with uh, our colleague Austin Smith before taping today, and I showed him this story. He said, "You know what? I think it would be fun to work at, at that company for this for one year for this one reason, which is you have to figure there's some sort of internal competition. What is the most absurd costume you can come up with that you can slap the word sexy on the front? But the the hitch is." It's got to sell, like you know. It's you know you can come up with sexy piggy bank, but you know if it doesn't sell, no, then you good. don't win the contest. But the person who came up with sexy Olaf, they're you know they're they're probably getting some kind of little bonus over at Yandy.com. I would hope so because uh, the, the publicity is 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 all to their their credit, and um, I think it's got to be something. There probably is always some movie or something out there. I mean, think about what's out there now that you can take this uh, to for next year. We don't know yet. I don't know. I mean, it was when was when did Frozen come out? It was a sort of it was all, it was you know, ten months ago, twelve months ago. 
It was it was almost a year ago. It was late yeah. late twenty post post Halloween. Post Halloween. It was a, like a Thanksgiving thing. Uh, let's move on to sports. Um, the FCC has voted to eliminate its sports blackout rule, which. Uh, for nearly 40 years has prevented cable and satellite systems from televising some NFL games. You mentioned this to me the other day. Uh, Among other things, it's nice to see the federal government, or certainly an arm of the federal government, looking at a rule that had been put in place decades ago and coming to the conclusion that, oh, right, the reasons we put that rule in place no longer exist, and therefore, we should be. We got to get rid of this. We are not helping anybody. We're not, <laughs> this, and w- r- this rule helps nobody. And once upon a time, it w- when the majority of revenue that uh, foot, pro football owners made was from people going to the games, that made sense to set up a rule to protect them, so that we're going to encourage people to go to games by making the games unavailable in certain viewing areas. Like, hey, look, you want to watch your local team? You're going to have to buy a ticket. But now, with the explosion of cable systems, watching stuff online, and the money, holy cow, the amount of money being thrown around for live sports programming. I, I, I love the chutzpah of the NFL trying to, to fight this. Um, and then, you know, the, the FCC... Uh, and I'm quoting directly from one of the commissioners saying, it is not the place of the federal government to intervene in the private marketplace and help sports leagues enforce their blackout policies. It is the commission's job to serve the public interest, not the private interest of team owners. I think, you know, we're, we're just all impressed when our government does anything that <laughs> successfully, uh, and including taking a regulation away. Right. That's, you know, that's reason to celebrate right there. Uh, but yeah, the reasons for the rule are, are pretty much uh, very dated at this point, and uh, marketplaces change, and the FCC uh, is well within the, say, 10 to 15 years uh, past the change that made this um, pointless a long time ago. So I'm, I'm glad that they're finally catching up to it. There are people who have written over the last year and a half or so that the bubble that is on the horizon in the business world is not another housing bubble. Um, it's a sports programming bu- bubble that when you look at just the percentage increase that is being paid out year after year for live sports programming rights, there are people making the case that this is unsustainable and there's no way uh, that this is going to end other than at some point all of this money is going to come crashing down. Do you buy that? No. Uh, you know, bubbles occur when something that is sort of valueless or hard to value or uh, things like that, where, where there isn't cash flow, uh, comes into play. Something like take, take tulips, the most classic bubble. Um, that if, if, they, if there's scarcity of tulips, uh, all you have to do is get more tulips out there, and then the, the price crashes. Uh, the NFL has a lock on how many NFL games there are. Uh, the reason that it is successfully driving up the price of, of showing its games on TV is because that is where people can't avoid watching commercials, which they successfully avoid almost everywhere else in, in TV because why bother watching something live if it's, uh, you're just, uh, can watch it just as well later? But you can't do that with sports. 
uh, or most people don't. I, I don't. I was going to say you can, but it's you it's can't. just Do not. You? It, no, it's Do not. You ever have, have you ever recorded a game? I'm going to be out, and I'm, then I'm going to watch it. No, no. Because sports. Because you got to know, right? You know, there's no. You can't if you're the two of us. You can't trick your mind into right. believing this has not yet happened, and I'm experiencing it in real time. And with a quick check online or of Twitter, I can instantly find out the result of this game. Yes. Uh, so the NFL and other sports are in a great position of having a live product uh, that has commercial breaks, uh, and and that's you know they are making. I think you were bringing up the point that the top three rated shows now are Monday night, Sunday night, and Thursday, know, Thursday night, night football. football. Yeah. So you know they're making money no matter how much they paid. They're still making lots of the money. networks. Yeah, the networks. And when they stop making money uh, enough money from selling the commercials, then they'll stop paying the the huge contracts to to air it. But at the at, right now, I don't think any of them is disappointed with the actual money they're making. And I don't think you know Fox is with with baseball either. Although, and we talked about this right before we started taping, uh, including with uh, with Dan Boyd, who's who's on the other side of the glass today, making all the tech stuff work. Um, Dan referred to this as basically his favorite time of year because he's a huge baseball fan, he's a huge Washington Nationals fan, and they are in the playoffs. Um, but one of the things we talked about was baseball is tougher for whatever networks have. The rights, or I should say, have paid for the rights, because unlike the Super Bowl, which is an event where it almost does not matter what teams are playing, people are still going to watch the Super Bowl. It very much matters who is in the playoffs. And if you are, in this case, Fox, who has paid for the World Series, you absolutely have an interest in. You're not looking at the World Series saying, well, we don't care what two teams get in. People are going to watch no matter what. Because, no, you very much want big market teams. You want teams with, uh, to the extent possible, national fan bases. So, and, uh, you know, last night we had the, uh, the Oakland A's playing the Kansas City Royals. Very exciting game. Um, the Kansas City Royals won. Worth pointing out that Kansas City, much smaller media market than Oakland, California. Uh, so if you're Fox, I can't imagine you are going to be happy if, say, for example, the Kansas City Royals ends up end up playing the Pittsburgh Pirates in the World Series. No, that's that's going to cost them because it is a major market uh, thing. Uh, there are just more national. Uh, fans of of the Dodgers and uh, you know the Cardinals and the Tigers and teams that have been around for a long time. Uh, Our two teams not in the playoffs this year. That's true. Let's not talk about. <laughs> they are big market teams, but they are not not in the playoffs. Not not even very close. Uh, you know, baseball tends to make up in in terms of what they're getting from their contract. Uh, you know, there's there's sort of a guaranteed audience for the NFL, the NFL playoffs, uh, the Super Bowl, in a way that there isn't for baseball. But baseball makes up for that in volume. I mean, it's just the sheer number of playoff games tends to mute how much deviation you get based upon the final two teams. So you know, you've got ten teams in the early rounds of the playoffs. Uh, they're going to have some big market teams, and just the, they've expanded the the number of games in the series, and it's just a it it fills up a lot of programming time for Fox in in October. So they get they get that. 
Do you have a rooting interest? I mean, I know you, you, I'm a Red Sox fan. You're a Yankees fan. Are are, are you uh, sufficiently a baseball fan that you will watch the World Series no matter what? Or do you or do you have a, like oh I'd like to see this? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that you have some sort of local interest in the Washington Nationals, and we'd yeah. like to see the hometown team do well. Yeah, that that's mostly it. I big baseball fan uh, have have because. As you mentioned, uh, the Yankees haven't had a great year. Uh, <laughs> sort of a very mediocre year. It wasn't it wasn't an abysmal year like the Red Sox. Right, I Red mean, Sox, where you actually get turned off of the whole concept of baseball. The Yankees. I were think the Red Sox in it until the end. You know, in a. In if a, I'm not mistaken, the Red Sox have just pulled off an historic first in in that they have gone in three years. They have gone from last place to winning the World Series. To last place. I don't think a team has ever done that before. So hey, we, at least we have that. <laughs> and until a World Series is champ is is crowned, the Red Sox are still the reigning World Champs. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, rooting for the Nationals. Sure. Um, let's go back to football for one second because uh, we've, uh, I believe, we've talked on this podcast before about the the business. I know we've talked about the business of fantasy football, how that has grown. Um, and you and I, along with Bill Mann, have a fantasy football team that we run. We've run for years now. And uh, it, suffice to say, the team's not doing well this year. The name of our team, uh, which uh, I would say for the first year or two that we had named our team, God Cannot Protect You, uh, that worked out well. Right You're now, just going to offend people bringing I, that up. No, I don't know. We've mentioned it on the podcast before, no, but, but, but that doesn't prove that you didn't offend people. I, I, may, I apologize if I've offended anyone with the fact that the name of our fantasy football team is God Cannot Protect You. But the reason I bring this up is because we were talking the other day. We kind of feel like we need a new name for our team, partly just to mix it up from a karma standpoint, point, partly to reflect the underperformance of well, our yeah, we team. We got off to a bad start last year too. I don't know. Made do, the playoffs. Do, if 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 you're thinking of a new name, what type of name? Because you're, you're you're asking for reader help. Reader I mean, help. Reader uh, listener, listener help. Listener help. Radio at fool We need a new name for a team that reflects um, this sort of our awesomeness. Our awesomeness. Our future awesomeness. Our future awesomeness. But also the fact that, like uh, is often the case with professional athletes. Um, we went into this season with a great deal of promise, a great deal of enthusiasm. And, and to date, a lot of underperformance. So we're sort of like that really talented athlete that you look at and think, why isn't that person doing a better job We've on the field? We've had some tough scheduling. <laughs> We've had the hardest schedule in the league so far. Maybe we just they, need to they, coach they, them up. Yeah, we do need to coach them up. <laughs> Radio at fool.com, if you're a fantasy football player and have any advice for us, please. We need all the help we can get. Yes. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Nats fan Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.